Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. Well, it's Father's Day next week. Just thought I'd remind you as a dad. I just want to make sure that everyone knows it's Father's Day next week and so you've got no excuse. I'm a granddad now, so I definitely want to make sure no one forgets. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been blessed with uh, ministry from our pastors and leaders. And I want to start just by just doing a bit of a recap because there's such a theme going through that I don't want you to miss it. Pastor Andy shared regarding identity. And his question was, your ID please, what is your ID? And he wore a silly hat for most of his servant. Credit for doing that, I couldn't do that. <laughs> Challenging. What is our ID? Pastor Patsy then said, God talks to us. And talking about how we can commune with God and have that conversation, and he will talk to us. Then Pastor Tony talked about representing Jesus and how do we represent him. Then Patsy shared, talking about putting the brakes on evil and the impact we have in this society. And Pastor David shared last week, who is God, really? Is that the right? Who is God, really? And I asked the question, who do we think our God is? And I was asking my Heavenly Father, what would he like to share with this morning? And he put on my heart about the Father heart of God. And asked him the question, who is our Father? Well, let's start with something fun. So, first slide, please. Hollywood makes fun of this as well. Now, this is from Toy Story 2. And Zerg is the evil person, the antagonist in this movie. And at some point in Toy Story 2, so we've already had Toy Story 1, which he was there, and Toy Story 2, um, he says, I am your father. And, of course, the subsequent, no! Anyone seen Toy Story 2? Okay, I'm going to have to go for the the big guns. I am your father. Does that resonate with anyone? Search the force. You know it to be true. I'm not going to wear that mask the whole time, just for the record. I don't think you'd be taking me seriously if I did. So Hollywood makes fun of this, reveals of who their father is. So I thought I'd start with that as a, as a way of just getting into this. It does also reminds me of another story. A group of guys were in the change room just after finishing their golf rounds, getting changed. And a phone rings in the room, and one of the men takes a call, puts it on speakerphone, leaves it on the chair... Dad, I'm glad I got you. Are you at the club? Yes, he replied. Just finishing my round. The other men in the change room all began to listen in. I found that car I wanted, she said. A beautiful brand new VW Bug. Only 43,500. He replied, I thought they were discontinued. The daughter replied, I know, right? Can I get it on your card? He replied, for that price, you want all the options, okay? Sure, Dad. By the way, 
I saw my formal dress with mum this morning. Oh yeah? I'm sure it was beautiful, he replied. It was gorgeous, only $2,000. Can I get it? Please? Sure, he replied. All the men in the locker room were now totally engrossed in this conversation. Oh, she continues, and I just back booked my travel for schoolies. We're going to Hayman Island. It's expensive, but it's the best. Great. I'm sure you enjoy yourself, he said. Hey, I gotta go, he said. I love you, Dad. See you later. Hangs up the phone. He looked around at the other guys in the locker room and said, does anyone own this phone? Well, I'm talking about who is our father. And I'm going to start with what happens when we get it wrong. As I was waiting on what to share, I'd actually seen some of these videos just beforehand. And I was downstairs as a, just, just having some um, free time. And I'd gone upstairs and I was just getting ready for bed before I hopped into bed and started snoring apparently. <laughs> and I was asking God, what do you want me to talk about? What do you want me to share? And Pastor Tony um, thank you, asked me to share this morning. And he said to me just so clearly, I am your father. And I just, I just, I just sat on the edge of my bed and I'm going, wow, what does that mean to me? What does that mean to us? And I'm going to talk about what that means I'm going to talk about what happens when we get it wrong and talk about some of the things that it means to us. When Jesus was walking on the earth, Jesus was heavy-handed on one group of people, the religious leaders. They quoted Moses all the time. They had the Old Testament and they knew the law. They knew the law back to front and they wanted to make sure that everyone kept the law. That was their, seemed to be their one um, lot in life. Jesus said to them in John 8.42, If God were your father, you would love me. That sounds like people who had lost the plot on who their God was. For I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear? Because you are unable to hear what I say, you belong to your father, the devil. That's pretty harsh. That's one of those no moments. <laughs> you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of liars. Now, they had the Old Testament. They, they could look through the Old Testament and somehow as they gleaned all of it, all they seemed to glean was the law and the rules and the regulations. They missed whole bits of it. And David talked about who is God last week, so I'm not going to go too far into that. But I'm just going to touch on a couple of points. In Genesis 3.8, God the Father walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening. 
It says so. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the, gar- cool of the day. They hid from the Lord because they had sinned. But it was a regular thing. See, our God, the Father, is all about relationships. He wants to walk with us. He wants to commune with us. He wants to talk with us. And that's how it started. Sin got in the way, and we, we talked about a bit that last week. But let's look a couple of other times in the Old Testament. Enoch, he walked with God. There's one sentence in the Bible. He walked with God for 365 years and then was no more. He walked so closely with God, God took him. I want you here. Relationship. He revealed himself to Abraham, a promise keeper, protector, merciful. So what would you say God would say about himself, about his most important characteristic? I'm all powerful. He's just saying that. I created everything you see and do. Everything you see. This world, the universe. I am the creator. If you think, oh, that's what I would think God would say. But Moses, he just received the law. Just had those tablets. And Moses asked to see his face. He couldn't because of that sin problem, but he could see the back of him. And he said, I'll cause myself to walk past you. I'll put you in a cleft of a rock, put my hand over it, and once I've gone past, you can see me. The next is 34, 5 to 7. The Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaiming his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming about himself, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate, gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to a thousands, finding love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. That's a powerful statement, given the fact that they were just about to get the law. And here's God declaring about himself, about his love and his compassion and abounding in love and graciousness. He did go on to say, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents of the third and fourth generations. But somehow we focus so much on the backside of that scripture. Oops, I said backside in church. Whoops. <laughs> on the latter part of the uh, scripture. And we forget the first. Abounding in love. Gracious, merciful. And what did it produce? Leaders who were so focused on the law, so focused on judgment, so focused on the punishment of sin, so focused on making sure we dot every I and cross every T. What we do on the Sabbath, we can only do so many things. Both have forgot about the compassion, the abounding love, the merciful. And what did it ultimately produce? We only have to look in um, Paul, Saul's life. Saul was a Pharisee of Pharisees, so you could say a representative of these leaders. 
And in Acts 1, 5, and Saul breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. He went unto the high priest and desired him letters to Damascus to the synagogues that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And it goes on. And God the Father in his mercy revealed himself and turned him around. Totally turned him around. And many of the letters in the New Testament are written by Paul. Most of the letters are written by Paul. You see, Jesus came into a community that was so focused on the law, they'd forgotten who God was. All the Psalms, all the beautiful Psalms that were written, how wonderful they, you know, he is. They seem to have forgotten all of that. And you see, we can have a distorted view of our Father. And there's a challenge if we have a distorted view. A.W. Tozer, in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, puts it this way. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Worship is pure or based as a worshipper entertains high or low thoughts of God. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. And, this, and the most portentous fact about anyone is not what he at a given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move towards our mental image of God. And that's what they'd been doing. They had this fearsome God who gave them the law and better do the law or else. And they were driving themselves this way through this secret law. This is not only true of the individual Christian but of the company of Christians that composes the church. Always the most revealing thing about the church is her idea of God. Just as the most significant message is what she says about him or leaves unsaid for a silence is often more eloquent than a speech. So we're moving towards our image of God and if that's flawed, ultimately we have a bit of a misstep in ourselves and we need to understand who he is. And David touched on a bit this last week. I thought he was going to pinch half my um, sharing this morning, but thank you for just nicely dovetailing. God's good. So, who is God? And he mentioned a few of these last week. He's a cosmic light. Somewhere out there, someone interested in us, maybe. Maybe he's a grandpa, sweet old guy. You know, just, just friendly, happy, not much, very good on technology, probably has the largest font size available on his iPhone. Probably got little glasses. He's certainly not relevant today. Some sing him as angry all the time, upset. Insurance sees him as the instigator of typhoons and cyclones and earthquakes because they're called acts of God. Some see him as a divine referee keeping a scoreboard on everything we do good and everything we do bad. How about Christians? Some see him as a heavenly butler or a slot machine. 
We never admit this, but it's like saying, hey, Siri. Hey, Google. Everyone's got their phone off. <laughs> I was about to set your alarm at 5 a.m., but that's okay. Hey, Siri. Hey, Google. And that way they go with their prayer. God fixes it. Everything's good again. Okay, thank you. Go back to what? Go back to normal. We could keep this going all morning. So, if my view of God is all about the hits and misses, as an example, then my life, my Christian walk, is all about how I'm trying to be better. And when I'm getting all the hits, I'm right up there. I'm, I'm, I'm really good. When I have a few misses, man, I'm unworthy. I'm in the dumps. How could he love me? Because that's my view of God. It's how fickle he is. Or is he? So, who is your father? Let me ask another question. Why did Jesus come? Came to save our souls. Came to destroy the works of the evil one. He came to die on the cross. Pay the price. Get the keys of death and hell and get us victory. All of that's true. But the one overriding theme that all of these things are linked into was to reveal his father. When Jesus came, he revealed a completely different view of God the Father than anyone in the Jewish nation at that time could think of who God was. Something that's never been revealed like this before. And this is where Jesus came in to reveal the Father, his love and his desire for relationship. Can you imagine when he first taught the disciples to pray? He didn't say Jehovah or Yahweh. He started with the prayer, Our Father. Now our Father means, Father means many things to many people. We'll talk about that shortly. But he said Our Father, a relationship with a heavenly God, all-powerful God that becomes personal. And not just for me and my God, our, our group, disciples at that stage. We're in this together. Relationship is not just between me and my heavenly Father, it's a relationship with all of us. God never meant us to have church at home, or for you to be an individual between him and God. He meant us to have a community, a family. And Pastor Patsy talked about the attack on family. But we are a church family, and he's our God. God as a father is mentioned 189 times in the New Testament. I think he was trying to get our attention here. He teaches us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be his name. He is absolutely worthy of our worship and honour. But we have that Father relationship. 
and he revealed the Father. John 14, 9, he who has seen me has seen the Father. So as I look at Jesus, every attribute of Jesus that I like, which is all of them, is actually my Heavenly Father's attributes. What happened to my angry God? What happened to the God crying for justice? I didn't see that in Jesus. I saw love and compassion. Back to Moses' declaration God made to Moses. He who has seen me has seen the Father. Matthew 5, 16, the same way let your light shine before others that may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And we are to reflect our Father. So let's briefly look at the Father and how he interacts with Jesus. So Caleb kind of mentioned um, him getting water baptised and uh, going forward and said, here, he's the saviour of the world. I'm going a couple of verses later, Matthew 3, 16 and 17. And when Jesus was baptised, immediately he went up from the water. Behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son, whom I am well pleased. This is my son. Not my worker. Not my labourer who's going to do everything that um, you know, has been set out in the Old Testament. This is my son, whom I'm well pleased. But hold it, Jesus hadn't done anything yet. Well, not to have been recorded. Hasn't formed one miracle. Hasn't walked on water. We might have as a kid, you know, just to see how it went. But it's not recorded. Hasn't raised anyone from the dead. Hasn't died and paid for our sins. And he's well pleased. Now that's a father-son relationship. That's awesome. That speaks affirmation. He has his blessing before he's done anything. Do you know Jesus and the Father loved you before you did anything? He sent his son while you're a sinner. You didn't have to do anything to earn his love. And I think people today need to hear, you are my son and daughter. I am well pleased with you today. That father relationship and son relationship. I've got a grandson now who's um, one year old. He's already showing, I can't say it, but they look at me. Look what I'm doing. It's dread to think what he's going to be like at four or five. That beautiful relationship. This is my son. We have a heavenly father that loved us enough to send his son to die for us. But here's a challenge. If God wants us to see him as our father, and he does, the enemy will do anything to destroy fatherhood. Pastor Patsy mentioned that the family is under attack. Fatherhood's under attack. Not by accident. It's an insidious plan of hell to destroy people's view of what a father is. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard the statement, if God is a father, I don't want any part of that. 
after what my father did to me, I cannot accept that father relationship. I can see Jesus, I can accept that, but this father, and it can create a real stumbling block. And I've got here a couple of different types of fathers just to, to go through some ideas. Firstly, an absent father. Father's not even there. Maybe through divorce, through breakup, left when the child was little. I have an absent father, but that's because he died 12 years ago. And so that relationship for father was never there. There's a performance-based dad. Oh, you're blessed, but only if you achieved. Like one story I heard of a child that came to their family with a really good report card. They'd come second in maths. The father looks at it and says, who came first? Performance. If you do the right thing, if you achieve the right things, if you win, then I'm proud of you. Then you have my affection. You have the passive father. He's a non-factor. Yeah, he's present, he's there, but doesn't really factor in your life. You know, something, Someone put him in his place one time and he's just find it safer just to exist and not really have any impact. He's not speaking to your life. If you ask him anything, sure. The antagonistic father. He's not... For you, there's always this conflict. It's almost like you're in competition with your father. Always chipping, not measuring up. No, made a mistake there. No. Instead of breathing life into you, he's constantly cutting you down. If you're going to achieve something for God, you're going to have to get past him first. And then there's the abusive father, not only didn't speak nicely or wasn't there, actually hurt you physically, emotionally mentally cut you to ribbons and then there's empowering dad not perfect but he told you he loved you when you, when you either earned it or when you didn't he believed in you he showed up he wasn't a pushover he put guidelines in place no guidelines that was back at passive dad no tough love there, but this empowering dad, you know what tough love was. He put boundaries in place. Even kids know that you need boundaries. If there's no boundaries, do, well, how do I know that you even love me just to protect me from these things? I remember setting a boundary with my child, thankfully a little while ago now. I said the statement every good parent says, someday... You will thank me for this. And I got back, yeah, right. <laughs> I remember saying that to my dad and mum. I had a wonderful situation. Uh, my daughter, who now has a, a, a son, came up to me and said, I, I actually understand a bit more now, thank you. Here's a point. Fatherhood can be cracked up. If God is like my dad, I want no part of it. As I read the Bible and see the scriptures about sonship, and scriptures like, if then, you know, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, 
how much wore your father? And they're going, well, I got nothing from my dad. That's really hard to read. But God is not a reflection of your earthly dad, even a good earthly dad. He is the perfection of fatherhood. He's everything you dreamed your father would be and so much more. I don't know about you, but in my household, my mum was fierce. I did the wrong thing, I copped it. I certainly did the wrong thing a few times and certainly copped it a few times. But she'd get the feather duster and I see the feather duster coming. She'd hold it by the soft end and there's this cane in at the other. She'd go up the back of my legs like a machine. (laughs) Even when I'm running away. (laughs) She was fast. (laughs) But all said and done, I knew she loved me. But when she said, wait till your dad gets home, that's a whole different ballgame. I'd, I'd be in my room in fear. Probably go to jail for things like that these days. So my view of dad was somewhat authoritarian. He was, he was the, the uh, ultimate master of discipline. I really stuffed up, I got my dad. And also I found that if I wanted to do something, go out with a friend or something, Mum was an easier touch than Dad. Dad was always, no, but try and justify why. Whereas Mum will say, oh, we'll see. At least I got a we'll see, which means I could work around that. Yeah, everyone have that sort of relation, Mum and Dad? But how did that affect me in my Christian walk? I'd read these scriptures and say, our Father. Okay, I should pray for my father, to our Father. Oh, Jesus, on the other hand, I like Jesus. How about I pray to him because I think I'm more likely to get my way with that. (laughs) If I want some healing, I'm going to pray to Jesus because I don't know about that big guy. And so my relationship with my father was slightly just off kilter. Now, I prayed to Jesus and yes, three in one, you know, they're all one and did I get answers to prayer? Absolutely. But I realised that I had this thing that I needed to work on. I had a view of an angry man, an angry father. And it's things like that of people praying to Mary and to the saints to try and petition God to do something. Because of their view of the father is off kilter. Coming back to our view of God and the storms and earthquakes. What about the sunrise? What about that beautiful sunset last night? As you go through a walk through the forest, a rainforest or through through a bushland, everything he created for us. if we have a wrong view of our God or Father, when he revealed himself to Moses of all the things he could have said, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That's my heavenly Father. I've been giving him a bad rip all this time. 
He's got a bad rap. Psalm 68 verse 4 says, Sing unto God, sing praises to his name. Extol him that rideth upon the heavens, heavens by his name, Yah, and rejoice before him. We used to sing this as a chorus. The next verse says, Father of the fatherless. You know, if you had a bad problem with your father, he's there. He's a father to the fatherless. And the judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. God setteth the solitary in families. He brings out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in dry land. You know, Jesus is the perfect reflection of the Heavenly Father. I want to say that again. Jesus is the perfect reflection of the Heavenly Father. Therefore, I'll go one step further. Anything you think about God the Father that you cannot see in Jesus, his son, you may need to rethink. You may need to change the way you think about your heavenly father. Because unless Jesus demonstrated, Jesus reflected it, maybe I've got the wrong idea. We see so God so loved the world, but do we really believe it? In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is praying, standing before the Father in John 17. And he says, I have manifested, brought out, bring to light your name to the people whom you gave out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they've kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them. So here he is standing before God giving a review. And what's the main thing he's saying? I reflected you. I showed them who you are. The Passion Translation says, I have manifested who you really are. And I have revealed you to the men and women that you gave me. So I now start looking at the New Testament and start looking at the miracles that went through water into wine. Let's look at it from a father's point of view. There he is at a wedding. They run out of wine. They're my children getting married. I'm the father. What would I do? Okay, what is it? <laughs> Wouldn't I? But if I'm the divine God, fill it up with water, I'll turn it into wine. Matthew 8, 2. If you be willing... Heal me. Oh, you're my son. Of course I'm willing. This is the Heavenly Father, not Jesus. It's the Heavenly Father saying, I'm willing through Jesus. My daughter came to me with an owie, as I used to call it, and they were cute. Oh, they're still cute. I'm in trouble. I fix it to the best of my ability. I go to the first aid kit. But I'm divine as a father and as Jesus representing him, I can heal him. In a storm, my children wake me to tell me, don't you care that we're drowning? Who knows fathers fix things? That's, that's, that's what they do. Go to the storm, peace, be still. I fix it. 
The women caught in adultery. John 8, 6. Teacher, they said to Jesus, his man was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his fingers. I've heard of many sermons about what he was writing in the dust. He's drawing pictures, maybe writing their sins. Who knows? But all I know, that when he said the next statement, the power of grace was amazing. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who's never sinned throw the first stone. The grace was so palatable. From the oldest to the youngest, they all left. And Jesus says, who are you accusers now? No one, Lord, in verse 11. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Now, if I was a father and that was my daughter, what would be my actions? Aren't I seeing it right there? I'd be disappointed that she was in that situation, but I'd be showing mercy and grace and love. He never excused the sin, he forgave the sin. The father in action. Rescue, set on a path again, off you go. Isn't that a loving father? Tax collector, Zacchaeus, up in a tree, all he wanted to do was see Jesus. But the father wanted a relationship with him. Didn't matter that he stole from people, it didn't matter what, how he got to that situation. He wanted relationship. He looked up in the tree and said, I'm going to your place for tea. And on his own violation, he confessed to what he did wrong. He confessed to make it right. Jesus said nothing. The power of love and grace. He revealed the heart of God, which is reconciliation and relationship. Our Father is better than we think. So we need to change the way we think. And we also learn we can demonstrate mercy, grace and kindness, but still not tolerate sin. You know, Jesus never broke character from that. And he was revealing the Father's love. And I believe we only have an inkling of how totally devoted your Heavenly Father is to you and me. Nina, sometimes when we're talking about things that are going on in our family, and we're, Nina, I'll tell you what, fiercely protective. Like a lioness. And we remind each other, no matter how much We love our children and our grandchild now. God, the Father in heaven, loves them more. He cares about them more. So why should we worry? He's got them in his hand. So what we should think of a father? I said it before. Your parents, if your child asks for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if your sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more will your Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask? So we should think of our Heavenly Father as a perfect Father. I need a breakthrough. I need to know. I need to understand this how much more. I need to see who he is and ultimately who I am. 
C.S. Lewis, another theologian back in the, what, in the 40s, 1941, he wrote this in The Weight of Glory. Bit of a theological debate, if you will. I read in a periodical the other day that the fundamental thing is how we think of God. By God himself, it is not. How God thinks of us is not only more important, but infinitely more important. Indeed, how we think of him is of no importance except insofar as it related to how he thinks of us. Okay, I've got a bit of a debate going on. Who do I believe, Tozer or C.S. Lewis? Well, I'm going to go for both. I'm going to go for both. Because how I see him, I need to draw closer and closer. That's correct. But as I get closer and closer to him, he's revealing who he is himself, which means he goes closer and closer. But he's also revealing who I am, which opens up a whole new avenue. I start seeing myself as he sees me. Not how my earthly father sees me, my earthly mother sees me, my, my, my wife who thinks I sleep too quickly. She has this habit, while I'm picking on her, you get to that, you know, you, you put your head on the pillow, you, you're half asleep already as your head hits the pillow. She says, Jeff. I go, oh no, here we go. She wants to have a conversation. We've just had devotions and prayed together and she wants to have a... Anyway. <laughs> Total aside. I begin to see how he sees me, which trumps how I see me, how others see me. Because I'm getting his view of who I am. So how does the Father see you this morning? What does the Father want to tell you? How he sees you. First of all, you are loved. We can quote it. We feel it maybe even in church on Sundays. We can say, for God so loved the world that he sent his son to die for me. We know the scripture. But do you feel accepted? If a light would shine on people in this room, those who didn't feel loved and didn't feel accepted, you'd be surprised how many people have a light shining on them right now. And God wants to tell you, you are loved. You are accepted. You are my child. Which brings me to the next point. You are my child. You may not feel worthy of that love. I love you. You don't know what? I love you. Well, I messed up. I love you. We are a child. Annie talked about our ID. When you're saved, it's not just for a ticket and eternity. It's to be God's child. Romans 8.15, not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Or in the Passion Translation, Beloved Father. My next slide talks about our action as a child. I'll get there. There we go. Religion says I messed up. My dad's going to kill me. Relationship. I messed up. I'm going to call the father. 
I am his child. Number three, I'm no longer a slave. I don't have to fear. I'm no longer a slave to fear, no longer a slave to, to, to sin. I've been set free. He's paid for everything. I'm his child. I'm in a different kingdom now. We've talked about that as well. Four, I, resent, I represent my family. And as I said, Pastor Tony touched on that three weeks back or something. We should be showing a father that loves them. Not angry Christians, roughly encapsulating a, a message. At our life group last Tuesday, Frank, who's here sitting in the service, he's in our life group on Tuesday night, and he was talking about God to him. And he says, it amazes me that God has put a deposit within me. The Holy Spirit has come into me. A piece of heaven has come within me. And it changes his view. It overwhelms him sometimes. We need to be overwhelmed by a father who loves us. Back to Moses. We need to see the father in all his glory. Do you know, when we stop looking at the father, when we start losing that sense of the presence of God, do you know what we fall back on? Rules and regulations. We fall back on to try and do it our own way, trying to be good people. But we need to fix our eyes on our Heavenly Father and follow Him. We need to see the goodness of God, the love of the Father. Search the Scriptures. Find our Heavenly Father. If you don't know Him, today is your day, or could be your day. You can get to know Him, and Kayla will lead us in a prayer shortly. So you can know what it is to be part of this family. Part of and know a loving father. If you're a Christian and struggle with knowing him as father, it could be based on your personal walk and some of the things you've had to walk through. And there's some tough things that people have had to walk through. Horrible stuff that people have had to walk through. We're going to open the front for prayer at the end. Love to pray with you. Your Heavenly Father wants to know that you're loved today. In closing, I want to read a scripture. Jesus has died. He's risen from the dead. He's revealed himself to Mary. He's revealed him. Um, the angels have said, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? So he's risen. And in John 20, 19, all the disciples were huddled. Huddled into this room. The doors were locked the fear of the Jews. John 20, 19. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. You know, someone just come walking through a wall and presents himself, I think you'd want to have a bit of a peace with you, wouldn't you? After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. Then the disciples were overjoyed. They weren't quite sure about it until then. They were not quite sure. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. 
So what did Jesus get sent to this earth for? Yes, to die for our sins. Yes, to destroy the works of the evil one. Yes, to do it. And he's done that. But what I said was the overriding theme of what Jesus was doing was to reveal the Father. And his request to us is to reveal the Father to a dying world. Reveal to us. Now, whenever the Father gives us an assignment, in the command is a power to complete that assignment. If he asks us to do something, he's going to anoint you, give you all the capabilities to be able to do that. In law, you command. Grace, you are empowered. We need to reveal the Father's love to those around us. Start in the home to your spouse, to your kids, to your grandparents. Reveal the love of the Father. Move to your neighbours, move to, to wherever you go. Reveal the love of the Father. And that's what this dying world needs. They need to know and understand there's a Father in heaven who loves them intimately and has done everything and will do anything to get to them so they can hear that he loves them. Thank you very much. Brings us to my fifth point. We are sent by my Father to reveal him. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.